It was a joy for me yesterday to preach at Emmanuel Episcopal Church in Orlando on the fourth Sunday of Lent and to speak about the parable of the prodigal son, which I consider to be Jesus's ultimate parable and teaching about the nature and heart of God. Part of my inspiration for the sermon comes from the writing and spiritual direction of Father Henry Nouwen, and particularly in his amazing and wonderful treatment of this parable in his book, The Return of the Prodigal Son. In 1977, when I was in seminary, I received as a gift my first book by Father Henry Nouwen. And it was something which captivated my imagination because his way of writing was an integration of the fields of psychology and spirituality in a way that had tremendous vulnerability and power and offered wonderful insights into not only our human experience and human journey, but the spiritual journey as well. His treatment of the parable is so powerful because he drew from his own lived experience. He once wrote this to a friend, Jesus's invitation to lay down my life for others has always meant more to me than physical martyrdom. I've always heard these words as an invitation to make my own life struggles, my doubt, my hope, my fears, and my joys, my pains, and my moments of ecstasy available to others as a source of consolation and healing. To witness for Christ means to me to witness for him what I've seen with my own eyes, heard with mine own ears, and touched with my own hands. So I hope you'll hear this sermon offered on the fourth Sunday of Lent in that spirit, the spirit of Father Henry Nouwen as he expresses it so beautifully and well. Let's take a moment of silence to be present, to be still, and to know the love of God. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated, won't you? Good morning. I want to first express again my deepest appreciation to your very fine rector, for having the trust and the courage to invite me back into this pulpit again. <laughs> You'd think he'd learn his lesson, but actually he is a man of great friendship to me, great healing to me actually, and I really enjoy being with him and being with all you good people here at this wonderful parish, Emmanuel Episcopal Church. So again, it's a joy to be in this pulpit. We were in the Picos de Europa, the peaks of Europe, a mountain range connected to the Pyrenees in the northern part of Spain, in the region of the Cantabrian Mountains. We were there following the pilgrimage of the Camino de Santiago and exploring the, those areas. We weren't actually doing the pilgrimage, but we were studying the pilgrimage and the sites and places which pilgrims would cross. And on a particular day, we realized we were close to a monastery, the Santo Toribio Monastery, which 
was famous as a pilgrimage site because it had a relic of the true cross, the cross which was found by St. Helena in the fourth century, and there was a piece of the wood of the true cross. Now that's a tradition, obviously, uh, maybe a little different than ours, but it was a pilgrimage site, nevertheless. And so we went, and as we were in the church there, we were listening to a monk speak about this relic, and I noticed uh, that there was a transept to my left. It was a dark hallway, there were some candles lit, and then at the end of the hallway there was a, a light that was shining down, giving illumination to a full-length reproduction of Rembrandt's painting, The Return of the Prodigal Son. Now, I hope that you've encountered that painting. Uh, I'd look it up if you haven't. It's something very spectacular to really spend a lot of meditation with. It's beautiful in the truth that it portrays. We're fortunate in this fourth Sunday of Lent, then, to be hearing this story, which is so familiar to us. It's really Jesus' ultimate parable when you stop and think about it. If there was anything you would want to hold on to as a parable of Jesus, this would be it, because it speaks at so many levels. It's, it's multivalent, polyvalent. It, there's so much there that you can be a, a child and hear it. You can be an adult and hear it. You can be an elderly old man like me and hear it. You're supposed to laugh at that, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but it speaks truth at every stage of the journey of our life. It's at the very heart of Christianity, in other words. One of my greatest mentors and people who have been so important to me in my life is Father Henry Nouwen, who wrote, I think, perhaps his singular best book on Rembrandt's painting, a book called The Return of the Prodigal. Many people do not know that Henry was a man who suffered deeply. It wasn't widely known until he wrote a book uh, while he was at Daybreak, a retreat center. He spent a year and a half there and actually ended up having a full collapse, I mean, a, a really a breakdown, because he had worked so hard and done so much in his life, and he found himself uh, going away for a time, trying to recover from his profound inner brokenness, and that's when he discovered this painting. And this painting brought a great deal of healing and deepening and meaning to him at this stage of his life. It's really about who we are, who am I, as I meet myself in this story. Who are we in the parable, in other words? The parable can be seen as a story of multiple stories, in the sense that there are two sons who seem to have an easier ability to believe their own versions of their story rather than the unconditional love of their father, the story of God. Both brothers have a story to tell. Their story is their perspective on reality. And don't you think we all have our own stories that we're telling ourselves? About our value and about our worth, our significance, our meaning? I mean, that's part of the challenge of the human experience and part of the spiritual journey is to somehow understand what is the source of my value? What is my worth? What is my meaning? We struggle with that, just like Father Henry Nouwen did. So we find ourselves in this story. The first son is 
perhaps the best treated, the most widely understood and known, the prodigal. We're all prodigals in many ways. Most of us have experiences like the younger son, times when we know that we've been rebellious and, and disobedient. We know that we have squandered the resources that God has given us. We haven't cared. In my work as a priest, I found few other passages that were helpful to me in spiritual direction with people. I remember particularly a young man who came to see me, deeply troubled by his life, by what was going on. He felt so ashamed, uh, so broken by his, his sin, his rebellion, his brokenness, and he, he just felt so unworthy to be in church, unworthy to be in prayer, unworthy because of the story he was telling himself, the shame and the brokenness. We all have our version of events about who we are and, and who we aren't. Flaws, failures that stain us, deep-seated belief that we're not worthy. And so the young son says, when he finally comes to himself, I'm, I'm not worthy of being the son. I can perhaps be a slave, but I'm not worthy. That's what I'll tell my father. I'll come home and say, Father, I'm not worthy. And that's a struggle sometimes for us. We wonder about our worthiness, our worthiness before God. But the story, I think, really reaches its climax when it turns to the elder son, who's standing at a distance in the Rembrandt painting. The elder son, he's so filled with a sense of resentment at this whole episode prodigal son returning home and, and being treated with a celebration of joy. It's self-implicatory, this parable, right? It seems to somehow be able to summon us to understand the indictment against us, both as the prodigal and both as the elder son. One of the hardest things in the world is to stop being the prodigal son without turning into the elder brother. Henry Nouwen, in one explosive sentence, says something that makes the point. Let me read it to you. Often I catch myself complaining about little rejections, little impolitenesses, little negligences. Time and again I discover within me that murmuring, whining, grumbling, lamenting, and griping that go on and on even against my will. The more I dwell on the matters in question, the worse my state becomes. The more I analyze it, the more reason I see for the complaint. And the more deeply I enter it, the more complicated it gets. There's an enormous dark drawing power to the inner complaint, condemnation of others and self-condemnation, self-righteousness, self-rejection keep reinforcing each other in ever more vicious ways. And when I read those lines, I thought to myself, me too. Me too. So the older son, the elder son is clinging to his story, his version of events. And what is he saying? He's saying, I am worthy because of what I've done. Here's the main point. Because the parable is about the father. Not the prodigal son or the elder son, but the prodigal father. It's God's story. This is why Jesus is telling it. 
We learn the context from the beginning of the 15th chapter, where we read that now the tax collectors and sinners were coming to Jesus to hear him, to listen to him. And it was the Pharisees and the scribes that were indignant. This man eats with sinners and welcomes them. And Jesus tells this story. And God's story is very different. God's story is this. This is the place where I find healing. He's speaking to the elder son. He could have nailed the elder son and the younger son, but this is what he said. Son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Isn't it interesting that Jesus places those words on the character who represents the divine, who represents God, and he says, My son, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. Do you see God as some type of eternal transaction that you have to make? Or can you trust in the absolute nature of his acceptance and grace and love? So what story are you living in? What story are you telling yourself? I wager it's a combination because we all struggle with our sense of worth and value. But God is saying, don't listen to that story. Listen to my story. Trust me. Trust my love for you. Trust that you are truly my child, that you're truly loved, unconditionally forgiven, truly free in the presence of a God who is running towards you. Well, here's my finish line. I'm going to land the plane. Coming in for a landing. I came across a quote from one of the early church fathers, St. Augustine today. And for me, it gives me the path and the continued journey. This is what he said. We have heard the fact. Let us seek the mystery. All our life, we have heard the fact of the goodness of God. Now let us seek the mystery. Amen.